bonus. Bonus. Episode. The big bonus. Episode. Bonus means extra. Matt and Alex. Bonus. Episode. Well, Meadowkind, this is quite exciting. A little uh, bonus episode here of Matt and Alex's All Day Breakfast. Yeah, that's right. It's brought to you by Koala for every home among the gum trees. And uh, we're doing something a little bit different. This segment is all about comfy couches, uncomfy topics with your boys, Matt and Alex. Yes, that's right. We've got an incredible lineup of guests who are going to be joining us for these little segments. And we're going to be asking them questions that potentially we wouldn't really get to in a standard Matt and Alex episode. Some questions that, you know, could go go to the depth of who people are, some lived experience and some topics that, yeah, just make you... Uh, get a little bit awkward sometimes, but... We're putting on the uh, scuba gear, going for a deep dive into the uh, incredible lived experiences, cultures, and background of these amazing guests. And today, Alex Dyson, we've got a very special person indeed. Hello, Naz Campanella. Hello. So exciting to be chatting with you today. We uh, used to work together at the ABC a few years ago, and uh, we've since moved on to this podcast, and you have since become the ABC's Disability Affairs Reporter. You started in May this year. How is it all going and what does the job entail? So it's it's a national role and it's got me working across sort of radio, online and television, which has been a daunting new task. It's been amazing. Um, huge learning experience. Maz, do you find, this? I've only worked in television a little bit, do you find it takes 10 times as long as radio or 20 times because it is agonising? Oh, look, uh, you know, radio, I could turn up in my tracky ducks and my joggers <laughs> and it not be an issue how my hair was looking. Uh, and now it takes so much longer to get ready. Um, but you know what I love? I love the challenge of like kind of it's a bit of a guessing game for me, obviously, because I can't see the pictures and I've really got to articulate to people what I want from them in terms of the, the shots. And then it's a bit of a, a puzzle putting everything together. And I'm really enjoying it. Well, that's it, because uh, being the disability affairs reporter for the ABC, you've taken the bold step, you know, unlike uh, Tony Abbott being the Minister for Women, you yourself have a disability, you are vision impaired. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of when that began and uh, in your history with that? So I lost my vision when I was six months old and essentially blood vessels burst in the back of my eyes and ended up detaching my retinas. And so it was it was pretty unexpected. I can't remember anything at that time. I'm you know, what the hell do you remember when you're six months old? Um, so I can't remember seeing anything. I can't remember feeling anything of that process. Um, you know, but my mum and dad sort of, when they recount things, just told me it happened very quickly. Um, and I spent the like first couple of years of life in hospital, really, um, having all kinds of procedures to try and fix things. Um, and in the end, nothing would work to, to r- restore my sight. Um, and I've obviously gone on to live a very normal life. Um, and it's, it's yeah, been great. Now, Naz, we're friends and we've worked together for a while and I've heard you discuss how you became blind before. And this is about, you know, uncomfy questions, etc. But um, Being made comfortable because we're all very well, mature. I'm and, just uh... <laughs> wondering, I mean, well, how often do you get asked that? And is it rude? To ask about how you lost your sight? Yeah. Um, I get asked all the time and it's never rude, I don't think, from from friends or, mm. or you know, I mean, usually, you know, you, you guys kind of know because, you know, in at the pub, you know, whatever it comes up. But I, it's rude when strangers do it. Mm. Like I've literally had people come up to me on the bus 
and sit next to me, don't know me from a bar of soap and expect me to be okay with them asking about my life story. Mm. Um, I've even had an instance where I was having coffee with a friend and a woman literally tapped me on the shoulder and said, hi, my name's, you know, I don't know, we'll call her Erin, for example. Uh, my name's Erin. I just wanted to know what happened to you. And I was like, sorry, what do you mean? And she was just like, well, your eyes, like there's obviously something wrong. And I was like, whoa, not only are you being rude, but you're interrupting coffee with a friend. Like she just couldn't comprehend that it was not an appropriate thing to do. And that's when it becomes rude. Yeah, so I guess in a situation in which you're getting to know someone, you're asking questions about their life, you know, who they are, where they've come from, then that is obviously part of it. But for your own gratification to, you know, just immediately, you know, satiate your need to know everything, that's where you can start crossing the line on things. I think it's also about why you're asking. So is it in context? Mm. And like, why do you need to know? You know, if if we're talking Mm. about, um, you know, you and I are getting to know each other and then you want to be able to sort of assist me in getting from A to B or you want to just lend a hand or something, um, you know, maybe I might offer the information if it's if it's appropriate, if it's kind of, you know, in conversation. But it's when it comes completely like left of field and is not necessary for you to know that it becomes inappropriate. Mm. Well, I mean, that was, the, that was another question I was going to ask. In terms of people assisting you, you know, I, I'm aware of, uh, you know, friends who have been in wheelchairs who absolutely hate just randomly getting pushed by someone, you know, like, it's just (laughs) like, it's so rude. Are there things, are there things like that, that, you know, well-meaning people do that just, just infuriates you? (laughs) Yeah. So I, I regularly have people, um, literally just coming up and grabbing my arm and like pulling me to whatever way they think I'm trying to go. Oh, and, my God. And- <laughs> I'm getting annoyed. If someone did that to me, just like grabbed me and said, oh, no, you should, you're should supposed to come this way, I would be furious. Well, it's two, It's twofold. It's number one, you have no idea like who I am, where I'm trying to go. Um, and secondly, you're invading my personal space. Mm. There are also people who um, generally think it's okay to lift up my cane off the ground. And I don't think they comprehend the purpose of the cane and that is to remain in contact with the ground all the time so that that's how I know where there are steps, where there are gaps, um, you know, between a train and a platform. And it needs to be on the ground because if you take that away, I lose that understanding of what's in front of me and then I can't make independent decisions about where I want to put my feet. And I think what people don't also realise is that I've lived, you know, um, as a blind person or you know, basically all my life. And I have tools and strategies for navigating the world. And I haven't just stepped out of my house for the first time after, you know, losing (laughs) my vision and just gone solo and tried to figure it out on my own. Like I've actually had people show me how to use a cane, give me the tools and techniques I need to get around. And that's what I think I find really annoying that people don't, you know, consider. Well, Naz, you're one of the loveliest people I've had the pleasure of meeting. But in those situations, have you ever have you ever snapped? Do you get a little bit snarky when people, you know, come out of this? And you know, you might have had a bad day already up to that point. Has there been a point where you've had to uh, pull someone into line? I feel like I've gotten a little snappier as I've gotten older and like less tolerant of, um, I don't know, silly people. Mm. Um, and so there have been times where. 
for example, I might be um, at a department store with my husband shopping and then we'll go to the counter and the shopkeeper might say, oh, does she, you know, does she like this or does she like that? And I've snapped and just gone, she doesn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, where I've gone like um, to check into a hotel with a friend and, um, you know, it was a work colleague, a male work colleague, and they automatically assume that we are in a relationship and that, you know, I wouldn't possibly be there, A, for work, mm. um, B, you know, um, staying in a room on my own and, you know, they'll talk to the male colleague who has no idea about what I might need in order to get around the hotel room on my own and all that sort of thing. And so I've snapped at situations like that. And then I do snap at people if they just come and grab the cane. Mm. Um, and, and I use it as twofold. Number one, to assert that I'm a person, I know what I'm doing and I don't need you to impose those kind of whatever views you might have on, mm-hmm. on disability on me. But secondly, to teach them a lesson. And so I, I won't just snap and say, don't do that. I'll say, don't do that because my cane needs to be in contact with the ground. And sure. this is why it's important. Yeah. Okay. And so, and so what about when you are like, you know, uh, say, or we're checking into a hotel, maybe at the shops, you know, I used to hear of old stories of, say, people taking advantage of blind people um, by, I don't know, giving them the wrong change or something, although you'd know all the currency sizes and stuff anyway, right? But do people take advantage of you, basically? Um, I think it's definitely happened when I was a bit younger, obviously, um, you know, going out as like a young kind of 18, 19-year-old. I didn't live in the city. My parents um, lived quite far out and so I'd get like taxis home um, late at night and I would always kind of have a fair idea of how much it might cost to get home and I started to find a few cab drivers would really inflate the price like oh. significantly like where on, on one occasion it was like about 70 or 80 dollars more than I thought it needed to be and so um you know two o'clock in the morning sitting outside my parents house debating the price of this cab fare um with the cab driver and at one point um he said to me oh well you know you can give me your phone and I'll take a photo and you can you know, can show someone like when you go in the house. And I was like, that just totally defeats the purpose. Like I would have paid for it. You're, you've now got my phone. Like that's yeah. even bigger. Yeah. How could you live with yourself? No, I know, right? <laughs> what about terminology, Naz? I know, you know, many different people have have things that they wouldn't realise saying would be bad. Is there, any, is there any particular terms that you find when it comes to uh, your own disability that people can put out there casually They might not know a, a little bit, you know, rub you the wrong way a little bit, you know, whether it's you're, t- you're drunk and you say, oh, I was blind last night and those kind of things. Is there any terms that that, would, that people should be aware of? Yeah, look, I, you know, I, I hate um, the use of um, the R word um, and I, you know, absolutely take people to task when I hear them saying it um, mm-hmm. and I won't, I won't say it on here. Um, mm. I, I have had a situation where I was with some friends and we were heading into a bar one night and um, I, like, they all got let in and then I was, like, dragged to the side by a security guard and um, I, I sort of said, well, like, what what are you doing? And it was very early on in the night, hadn't had too much to drink at all. And my friend said, look, mate, she, she's blind, let her in. And 
he was like, yeah, I can see that. And like, I must've just stumbled up the stairs or something um, just cause I obviously couldn't see the stairs and um, I didn't have my cane with me at that particular moment. And um, he, he got really shirty and was like, yeah, well, I can tell she's blind, blah, 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 that he <laughs> meant drunk. And I obviously, and they said, oh, no, man. like she really is blind. Um, and so like, there are occasions like that where I, you know, I, I think, you know, that was a bit of a, an unfortunate use of the term. Mm, um, mm. but I just think, you know, I always, when I talk, um, talk about, uh, the person first, um, you know, person lives with a disability, mm-hmm. um, rather than, you know, the, you know, the, the blind person. I mean, you know, but the thing is with terminology, it's always best to ask, you know, mm-hmm. the way I describe my disability is so different to the way the next person will. And the, the language one person appreciates um, is so different to the next person. And I think some people feel so scared that they're going to get things wrong that they never ask. And that unfortunately has a result of people not learning mm. and people being like tiptoeing around the, you know, the concept, the idea, the, you know, the issue, whatever it is. Um, and so I just think people need to relax, be open-minded and think obviously before you open your mouth, but um, j- just ask in a way that's respectful and from a point of view that you genuinely want to learn something. And I think when you are, are respectful and come from that point of view of wanting to learn, I don't think you can you know, I don't think you can get it wrong. And and maybe it's really important as well to understand that you're not always going to get it right. And that's okay so long as you're respectful. Yeah, okay. So with that, I mean, a general question that I'd like to know, um, you've mentioned your cane a few times and often you see you associate um, guide dogs and blind people and some blind people use canes or, sorry, Vision impaired people or people with a vision impairment. Matt's just learning. Talk, you've just talked <laughs> about learning. this. It does. It's <laughs> working. He's doing it. <laughs> you've just talked about this. So here I am. You, you see some people with a. <laughs> you see people with vision impairment using canes, some using guide dogs. What's the difference in decision? Is it just that there's not enough guide dogs to go around? Is it a well, preference so thing? Is, this is such a personal decision. So I have I never grew up with pets really and so I was thinking about getting a guide dog when I was about 20 years old just you know going to uni getting out a bit more um and I ended up doing all the like you've got to do assessments for them and and see if you've kind of got the skills in order to sort of direct a dog because you still have to know where you're going you can't just like say to the dog take me to (laughs) the shops or the news agent and it just has in its brain where you want to go. <laughs> sure. They're smart, but they're not that amazing. Um, yeah. But so you, you still technically, you need to know the directions for where you want to go. And there's all these different signals that you will um, kind of do. So the dog knows left, right, um, you know, where you want to go, find the door, all that sort of thing. And so you do all these assessments and then um, so I passed all that, but then because I hadn't really grown up with pets, they kind of said to me, why don't you have like a pet therapy dog for a couple of weeks, see how you go just with all the, you know, jobs that come with having a dog and then see what you think. And I was supposed to have this beautiful golden retriever for three weeks. And, but, you know, 20 years old, it didn't really suit my lifestyle. I felt like a single mum at the time, just having to be home at a certain time, couldn't just 
go out with friends on a whim after uni because I had to go home and like feed and brush and toilet yep. and do all that stuff. And I wasn't. Oh my god! Ready. I've had people like at home. The party's just about to kick to that next level. It's like oh, I gotta go home. I've left the dog for six hours. Of yeah. you know, <laughs> they take the off ramp and uh, they miss out. <laughs> but it's more than that. It's more than that. It's and and now I'm you know views on. I am starting to think about it now more seriously. And the decision for me is at the moment with the cane, you have direct contact with the ground, as I've mentioned. And so I know what's in front of me and I make the decision of which way to go. When you use a dog, you don't use a cane as well. You you do away with the cane and you are relying on the dog. And I feel at the moment like my, my big dilemma is am I going to miss having that one-on-one contact with the ground and knowing what's in front of me and will I be able to trust the dog mm. and and you know um, I could walk the same route to work every single day and I will know if there's you know a, um, a barrier up in the middle of the road because you know they're pouring concrete one day I'll know because my cane comes into contact with it and then I'll find a way around Whereas if I'm walking that same route with a dog, um, I won't come into contact with the barrier where they're pouring the concrete. The dog will just walk me around it and I'll just be left thinking, I don't know why we went this way. What does this dog think it's doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's you know, going rogue. Taking the um, scenic route. So, so it's the decision now is not so much am I ready for the big job of having a dog, it's am I ready to kind of trust and mm. – yeah, have have that different level of experience with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, in speaking of that, in terms of um, you know, your you say your your route to work, I've been thinking a lot recently about the coronavirus restrictions and how to get people dining outdoors. And I think the always the the idea is always, oh, well, why don't we just put more seating on footpaths and stuff like that? But no, things like, <laughs> exactly. Well, things like that. Must come like must pop up all the time for you, and it, it, does that annoy you? You know, because like, like people might just parking on the driveway and blocking the footpath, and you know, just when do you find little bits of discrimination or or just negligence that that you know that, that people don't realise they're doing? Yeah, so I have um, uh, generally quite a lot of bruises on my shins from cars that have decided to park in the middle of like the footpath, and you know you you go to walk around the back of them, and they've got those what do you call those? The tow bar. Oh, the tow bars. Oh, You think people should put more tennis balls on their tow bars? Is that what it is? Just do something, anything. Yeah. Um, and yeah, look, the you know the like the sandwich boards outside the restaurants can be pretty annoying because mm. the cane obviously slides right underneath them, and sometimes I kind of like end up, you know, scratching them with my hip. Um, mm. What else? There's um, I you know, and it's not just me. For example, like if if you are in a wheelchair and you know you might make an appointment for a doctor that you haven't seen before and you'll turn up and there are stairs and no lift to get into the building what mm. the hell do you do and then can you even see over the top of the counter to talk to the receptionist behind um it's all of those things i don't think people realize mm. and you know you think about um a lot of apartment design you know i lived in an apartment a few years ago that had like five sets of stairs to get up to the apartment. There was no lift. So, you know, it can be limiting for where people want to live as mm. well. Um, it, it limits their choices. For sure. Now, is, are, there any, are there any perks to having a vision impairment, would you say? Is there any points in your, in your life where you're like, well, you know, this 
I wouldn't experience this if, if you know, this wasn't my circumstance? I'm very good at listening to multiple conversations at once. Oh, yes. <laughs> so if you're at a cafe with a friend and there's someone behind having some juicy goss going back and forth, you could keep one ear on the on what's going on That's over right. there. That's right. So uh, I think a lot of my friends have become quite um, weary around me because they're like, are you actually even listening? Um, <laughs> so there's that. And I think, I think I'm a good judge of character. I think mm. because I don't automatically like look at someone's face or what they're wearing or um, it's kind of like what are they like in nature and mm-hmm. so I think that's I don't know I don't know that I described it as a perk but I think that's two things yeah. that are that have you know been heightened I guess because I've relied on my other senses do you know what I love that you you uh, we've talked about this previously Naz where how you figure out how big a room is? <laughs> oh yeah, you echo location. So yeah, I'd of, never heard of this before. Oh really? So um, to explain to your listeners, it's you walk into a room and I click my tongue, kind of like on the roof roof of your mouth, um, and yeah, like yeah. that. Would you mind giving us a go? Like that, so a bit, bit louder than what you were doing. But um, and you can hear the sounds sort of bounce off each of the walls, and you can generally tell <laughs> a like how high the ceiling is, how big the room might be, and if it's you know if it's a room that's cluttered with lots of stuff. Um, wow! Oh I'm wow! Not, there are some people in the world who use this to literally get around. Like I know a guy who goes bushwalking. Um, Daniel Kish, who goes bushwalking using this technique. And I don't even know if he uses a cane or anything, but he can actually tell, um, you know, where to put his feet in the terrain Whoa. and all that sort of thing. I, I ain't that good. <laughs> but but um, it's definitely helpful, especially if I'm like in a new space on my own. I've only sort of walked around it once. Mm. Um, I kind of use it a bit to get around like just like a little sleuth, you know. Amazing. It's incredible stuff. Well, look. I think that's that's all we've really got time for, which is a shame, Naz, because I could literally talk to you forever. Um, we love we love hanging out and love having a chat with you. Um, oh, but miss you guys. So good to chat to you. And um, thanks for kind of letting me off the book. There's nothing too juicy there. Oh, well, oh, well, well hey, depends. Got, I mean, well, what? Well, 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 if you, well, if you want us to, uh, want us to right. get something, you know, we could get into, you know, dating with a disability. Well, we could get into all sorts of things if you actually, uh, want to. Actually, do you know no, what, Naz? No, Matt, the clock is ended. No, 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 no. One last question, one last question. I do want to ask this because, because, you know, earlier this year I, t- Chad, I asked, we talked about racism and how that's affected me in the past. And it's things that people probably never, they don't realise when they affect you, you know, and I remember one of the times was when I was 10 years old and watching Pauline Hanson on TV talking about immigrants and then I asked my mum if my dad was an immigrant. And she said yes, and I just I felt a real sense of shame for you know for my dad really like you know because I was mm. like oh I know that they're bad I know immigrants are bad I didn't real you know I didn't didn't know the difference between illegal immigrants or whatever and, and you know and even still it's no it's just not there's no excuse you know and it really made me feel bad like I was unworthy. Do you have a moment from when you were growing up that that sort of that really affected you? Unfortunately, there are there are too many, and mm. to be honest, it's not just from when I was little. It's it's happened 
almost at every stage of life. So it was, you know, going to school, finding the right school. There were teachers who didn't want me in their class. There were teachers who said I couldn't do certain things. There were, you know, peers who um, would exclude me from conversation. Um, there was, you know, um, you know when, when girlfriends were kind of writing on little notes and handing them around to each other. Um, sometimes I was on the kind of periphery of that and, and felt quite excluded. Then, you know, uni, um, you know, I didn't know anyone else with a disability in, in my class. Um, so I felt like, you know, the odd one out. Um, when I was looking for jobs, it was discrimination. I feel like I couldn't tell you about one. One. And I think over time it's just built up to me going, I need, to do something about it and I can't just do it on my own. It's got to be like a big shift and I think that's part of why I love the job that I have now. It's because I get to meet so many incredible people in the disability community and I get to talk to them about not disability even. It's like mm. just the awesome stuff they're doing in their day-to-day -day lives. And I get to elevate those voices and change the way that we talk about disability and the way that it's seen in the wider community. And that is the biggest thrill for me. And I couldn't think of a better way to kind of tackle all of that. So I try not to spend too much time thinking about all of those moments because there's so much work that needs to be done to make sure that stuff doesn't happen to other people. And I think there is a shift in the air and I think it's happening only in the last couple of years and it's happening really slowly, but I think it is happening and I'm really proud to be even the smallest part of that. Absolutely. Well, as you absolutely are. Uh, and we cannot thank you enough for joining us here to have a, a little bit of a chat uh, about yourself and, uh, and everything. Thank you so much for joining us um, and... Yeah, keep up the good work as the ABC's Disability Affairs reporter. If you want to follow Naz's work, Instagram, Naz, N-A-S, Campanella, uh, has plenty of stuff of what Naz has got going on as well. And Naz, look, cannot wait to hang out again soon. Wait, 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 oh, wait, wait. you too. Oh, wait, wait Matt, no, Matt no, wants no, another question. One last question. You've already Naz, done you Because, no, because we've, we've, we have only discussed topics relating to your disability. So I want to know, Naz... What are you What are you excited about at the moment? What are you absolutely loving? Actually, and I feel really bad because Alex is in he's in Melbourne and um, oh, don't do me like this, Nick Daz. Don't do me um, like this. I am actually going to take my first summer break in nine years, and I put in for my annual leave today. And fingers crossed, it gets approved. I'm going to lie on the beach for two weeks and oh. just do absolutely nothing. Oh, so, so excited. That. That's amazing. Thanks so much. So happy Naz for you, Naz. I had a week off recently. I could travel less far than I could going to work. <laughs> so nowhere near sand, I had dirt in my backyard. We, need, we got some mulch for the garden, but no, that's so, so awesome, Naz. We wish you all the best with that and uh, keep up the good work. Cannot wait to chat to you again at some stage. Oh, I love you guys. Bye. You're the best. Bye. Bye.